Good morning. I want to welcome you to Memorial United Methodist. I know y'all are still coming in. You're going by and getting your books. We do have our books for the series of Lent. If you'll go by and make sure you pick them up. For now, you can sign off on them and let us know that you got them. Um, and if your name is, uh, that's the permanent book list. So if you're not on that list, if you'll just write your name out, make sure that you were one who ordered one. We've got to make sure that uh, we have the books for the people that ordered them. We do have some extras, uh, but we want to get them to the people that ordered them as well. We've got, this is, uh, I believe, our last week of just insane announcements for a number of different subjects before it settles down a little bit. Number one, in terms of hospitality, make sure you know we've got coffee over here, we've got restrooms here, we've got a security check-in system that we're trying in today with uh, families A through D. If you have a child in the fifth grade or below, if you can check them in to try that out, Katie's on the other side of the door to help you do that. Um, we're two weeks away from the next Exploring Membership class. We have it the first Sunday of every month. It will be in the social hall at 10 o'clock, directly following this worship service. You have the books in the back in terms of worship. Worship today at 3 p.m. We have a handbells and a choral concert at 3 p.m. It's a combined effort with First Presbyterian. We're doing two things with First Pres, combining with them in worship and combining in with them in sports, hosting them. Uh, they're having all their events here with their totally redoing their campus. So I'd uh, uh, hope you come out and support them in that effort at 3 p.m. Mary Hayes, uh, her memorial service is going to be at Woods Mortuary. It's going to be Saturday at 2 p.m. at Woods Mortuary for Mary Hayes. There is, uh, uh, last time I heard, there was potentially going to be a visitation. I'm not sure that there is one, but you can pay attention to their website and see that sort of information. Reverend John Rush and I are going to um, participate in the leadership of that service. We have one combined service next week. Where do you think that combined service is? In Sanctuary. Why are we having it? For Katie Jeter, our children's director, is uh, next Sunday is her last Sunday. Deeply sad professionally, um, deeply happy for her personally uh, and, and the next step that they have in their life. But make sure you understand we have a 10 a.m. combined service in the sanctuary next week so that we can then come right back in here for a meal. In terms of faith development, today the program council meets for the first time at 2 p.m. Uh, the decision-making bodies of our church are going to be um, divided into um, two drastic, uh, uh, um, importantly different things. One is administrative council. Do we have our um, parking? Do we have our building? Do we have our staff? Do we have our finances? The program is thinking, what's our identity? Who do we want to be? Why do we want to be? Um, having those two entities, I think, is important and making sure that we cover them both with uh, 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 very thorough discussions uh, will be important as well. So administrative council is going to meet every other month. Program council is going to meet every other month. And program council meets today at 2 p.m. in the social hall just prior to the concert, so you can go to the concert if you like. I'm going to call up Adam Wycliffe, who does a number of technological things for our church. We are entirely grateful, and we need to say that every time. He's in front of us. Thank you, Adam, for about a thousand things. <laughs> Thanks. Okay, uh, so I'm Adam Wycliffe. I punch buttons around here. Um, I do the website, I do photography, and I also help out with the directory. And we're bit really busy working on that. Uh, the big part of it are your family portraits. And uh, the family portrait days, you've probably seen the posters. If you haven't seen the posters around the campus, then I have not done my job. But uh, you probably have seen the posters. Uh, we're doing photography for uh, port family portraits uh, instead of March 3rd through the 6th, now it's March 3rd through the 7th because we have filled up most of our spaces on, um, on the 3rd through the, the 6th. So there's only a few spots open on that Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So if you wanted to get your family portraits done on one of those days, uh, go to our website ASAP. It's greerchurch.com. Look on the left-hand side, there's a little link over there. And we just opened up Monday. So Monday spots are 1 to 8 p.m. So uh, go on there. We're going to have laptops at the end. Of, well, I don't know if we have a laptop at this service, but we definitely we do. So we're going to have a laptop uh, at the end of this service where you can sign up. Uh, we'll also have it at the end of the 11 o'clock service. Um, you can also, like I said, you can go to our website, greerchurch.com. And if you have any questions about this process, you can always reach out to me. My phone number and email address is on uh, the bottom of the page where you sign up. 
Um, and you can also hunt down Jane Rhodes as well. Right, Jane? Yep. So you can hunt down Jane Rhodes as well. So thanks so much. Thank you, Adam. I'm, I'm going to seriously encourage you to take that picture, to get it in there. I know there's a number of reasons not to do that. But if you do it, then our new staff, including your fairly new minister, get another chance to see your family's face. Just seeing a face with a name is a big, big deal. And I encourage you to do that. Um, there's a craft fair um, for mission and service uh, for Greer Relief. We hosted one in the, um, in the fall, and we're going to host one on March 5th. It's going to be after basketball season. It'll be in the FLC. There'll be all sorts of crafts in here. And if you are a person that does crafts and um, potentially want to be a part of that, um, I can get you in contact with the person who is running it. That'd be March 5th. So one service next week. Books are in the back. Program is today at 2. Concerts today at 3 in the sanctuary. Schedule your pictures. Let's begin our worship service. Please stand and sing with us. for this day and we thank you for this opportunity to come together and worship you we pray lord that you would open our minds and our hearts today so that we can focus on you and receive joe's message he's prepared um thank you again uh we love you and praise you in jesus name amen
please turn and greet your neighbor. Children, come forward for the children's sermon. Anybody else? That's it? Okay. Good morning. Raise your hand if you've ever had a bad day. Oh, Miss Lynn's had a bad day. So, have you ever had a bad day where you feel like nothing has gone your way? Like everything bad has happened to you? Maybe. You put toothpaste on your toothbrush and you got way too much. You went to go open your lunch at school and before you could even take a bite of your sandwich, you spilled your milk all over your sandwich and it was so soggy. Ugh, gross. And then you get home from school and your little sister has messed in all your stuff. Awful, right? So what did you do? Were you happy about all that stuff happening to you? What were you? Mad. That's right, Davis. And some, your mom might say, what's wrong with you? And what might you want to do? Say, leave me alone. I want to be by myself, right? Well, in the Bible one day, Jesus had a really bad day. He was arrested and punished for something he didn't do. And then he was slowly dying from the punishment. And everyone was making fun of him. When I say everybody, even the preacher was making fun of him. The soldiers were making fun of him. And one of the criminals, the really bad guy who was being hung on a cross just like Jesus, making fun of him. Did Jesus get mad there? No. What did Jesus do? Jesus asked God to forgive those people. And because Jesus asked for God's help during his really bad day, when one of the criminals asked Jesus to remember him when he went to heaven, did Jesus say, go away, leave me alone, you're mean? No, Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. Wow. So, if we ask for God's help, even when things are going really bad, instead of sharing our bad day with others, we will be able to share God's love and help others just like Jesus did. You ready to say a prayer? Then we'll go to the library, okay? Dear God, please help us to ask for your help so that we can share your love with others. Amen. All right, anybody that didn't come to the children's sermon and wants to come to the library, we would love to have you. I'm going to share a prayer concern uh, with y'all that's not on the list that's um, one of mine. Y'all ever notice how I always go straight to the announcements and half the time forget to tell you about the prayer concerns, to raise it? We give you the opportunity in this service for you to raise your hand. We then give you a card. You write the prayer on that card. We read it during worship, and then we, uh, it's prayed over at the Tuesday prayer group. But more than half the time, I'm thinking... Okay, we got six announcements. Who are the ones that are saying it? What do I need to say? How do I need to make sure that I get it right? It's sort of a microcosm of the way I am as a minister. 
I'm thinking about the administrative thing, the what can the structure be, what's the thing that has to be done next, what's the emergency right now that needs to be settled. So very rarely am I thinking, let's pray about it first. So I'm going to share with you a prayer concern of mine that you help me to do that. It's just um, so far even, uh, well, it's silly to say as a minister I should be doing it because there are elements of every minister that are missing. You know, that we have different strengths in different areas. Prayer is a weakness of mine, both the acknowledgement and practice of it. And so I would pray, ask you to pray for me to do that and to lead our services with the announcement of prayer because that's what's setting the standard for what we're doing. The ones that were shared on the cards, please pray for my neighbor Vincent who just found out he has lung cancer, for Randy Swift, and pray for the Clement family, pray for peace, especially for Lee and Blair as they take care of their father Ralph who has Alzheimer's. We pray for these uh, listed and uh, for those unsaid as we go in prayer now. Gracious God, this season gives us an amazing opportunity to reflect not only on the um, resolve that your son had in marching towards Jerusalem regardless of what it was going to cost, but the ways in which we impede that message the ways in which we measure the cost all the time and wonder out loud if we should want to pay them. Open our eyes this morning, Lord, as we read the text, as we sing your songs, as we pray your prayers to the fact that we impede your ability to reach others. Help us, Lord, to recognize the ways through our actions, through our words, through our lack of action, lack of words through our inability to listen for extended amounts of time to people. Strengthen us, Lord, in this season. Make us aware and help us to understand your will for us as we prepare for your son's march to Jerusalem and crucifixion. In the midst of the darkness that we feel in the scripture passages that we read in the brokenness in our hearts and minds, we ask for your comfort and your assurance, your wisdom, as we pray the prayer your son taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power glory forever. Amen. So today we pick up um, with the next chapter in our book. If you uh, came in a little later, we have our books in. If you ordered one, uh, make sure that you grab one and make note of it. We're talking about the paragraph, the chapter when Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. That's a, that's a weighty subject of what's going on in that very moment and what he says is going to happen in the very near future and what happens on the other side of death. What are we to do with all of that? So let's look at Luke 23, starting with verse 32. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out to be executed. I wanted to cut it off right there. And... Reverend Hamilton's point in just that tiny little part is the entire gospel message of who Jesus spent his time with and what uh, um, areas he spent most of his time. So he's in Bethlehem to start, born in a tiny town, in a tiny house, on the outside of that house, or the... Uh, uh, Garage, the room above the garage or the, um, where the animals were. You know, you see all sorts of different ways that it could have been. Was it inside a little cave? Was it in the, um, where the animals were in a little house? Was it above that room? Wherever it was, it wasn't the high-tech part of where Jesus was. The locations and people in the life of Jesus. To be born in a manger 
and for the wise men to come see him. He's already in a different place with different people visiting him than anyone who would suggest that they were king of this people. Tell me about the disciples, the people that Jesus was with. Were they the most powerful people in the community? Were they the most intelligent people in the community? Maybe, uh, maybe life smarts. You know, they're probably not uh, the most well-read people in the neighborhood. They probably know a great deal about life and could give you a lot of wisdom about life and probably run circles about the mo- around the most well-read people in the neighborhood. But these aren't necessarily people that you would say, these are the people that are going to set the standard for what our new thing is going to be. He chose those men because they were willing to go, able to go, and wanted to change the world with those men. What about the meals that Jesus had? Who was present at those meals? Well, it was a tax collector who was totally left out of it. Okay? There were um, prostitutes. There were people who uh, were once part of a religious community but were cast out of that religious community. In each of these cases, at a meal, I don't know that it's entirely different that time and this time. You only have people over that you want to associate yourself with in the community. Who are people that I'm willing to tolerate sitting around a table with for the next 45, 50 minutes? Who am I willing to spend a great deal of time preparing a meal for? Sitting and eating with those people, Jesus changed the scope of who was the focus of the people of God. The cross. Who's surrounding him at the cross? Two criminals. You might say two fairly vicious criminals. And so from his birth to the towns he traveled to, to the people he was around, to the people he called to be disciples, to the people that he shared a meal with, to the people that were right there beside him on the cross, the locations and people that Jesus spent his time with were drastically different than anyone would ever expect. Verse 39. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. This is sort of partial belief. (laughs) This is the sort of belief. This captures a lot of human belief. I believe you if you do something, and I need you to do something first. I'm going to have faith in you. Of course, if you give me something tangible to believe in right now that was the thing I was hoping for before I ever had to have faith in you. How's that for faith? That's, a, that's struggling to have faith. This is the last angry person that Jesus is going to deal with on earth as a human. And my goodness, there were some angry people along the way. There were people that were supremely angry that he did things and said things. Who are you to say that you're the Son of God? Who are you to say that this person is forgiven? Who are you to heal this person? Who are you to eat with this person? Who are you to be in the temple? You know, he came in the temple and he said, uh, he broke open the scripture and he started talking about it and he said, oh, look at, look at this sweet boy, he's doing such a good job. And he said, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And they said, what's that? You? From your family. From Nazareth. Who are you to say that? How about the people who were upset that he didn't say something or didn't do something? Okay, when um, he is going to heal someone, he's paused to help another person. That person actually dies. They get to the community and they say, well, you didn't do anything. It's too late. When people who dearly love him approach him and say, if you had cared... If you had come fast enough, something could have been done. So how would you like to be in a position where if you don't do anything and don't say anything, people are going to be real mad at you. But if you do something and you do say things, people are going to be real mad at you. You know what? This guy on the cross beside him sort of captures humanity in the time that they spent with him. 
Did Jesus place that man on the cross? <laughs> How did he get there? A vicious criminal act. But he looks at Jesus beside him and he goes, aren't you the one, who, if you're the king, if you're the Messiah, if you're so special, do something. Like he's the one that is responsible for this man being on the cross. That really captures humanity. We get ourselves through um, doing something, through not doing something, through saying something, through not saying something, in very difficult spots. And in those difficult spots, we say, well, Jesus, if you cared, or if you had any power, you could do something about this. In his last minutes, somebody's screaming at him, saying, I wish you were different, and I wish you could fix it. Verse 40. But the other criminal rebuked him, meaning the other criminal, not Jesus. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. So on the one hand, this man knows why he's there. And he's acknowledging why he's there, and he wants that man to understand why he's there. On the other hand, he's asking for something as well. He's asking for something in belief, though. So here's a big difference. There's asking for something in order for me to believe. And there's asking for something because I believe. You know how big the chasm is between those two things? You understand what I'm saying? I believe in you, and I need you. Not, I believe in you if you can uh, help me out here for the next 10, 12 minutes. If you can get me through this, I will believe in you. So, Reverend Hamilton points out something about this remember me that I had not previously noted. He says, when he uses that phrase, remember me, it's tying back to the very beginning. Um, I've for many years said that psalms fall in a couple of categories that you'll find on the radio. Okay? Everything is amazing. Isn't this amazing? And we're dancing. Everything is broken. Isn't this the worst thing that's ever happened? Let's cry about it. I want to, I want, you know, this, the, the movies that are those romantic comedies that, oh my goodness, I've watched the library of those, that generally have the scene of the person who's heartbroken and they're driving along in the car, and that song comes on that captures them, and they belt it out, they're singing it, the broken-hearted song. I'm broken-hearted. Um, I think even worse than broken-hearted is I'm indifferent because I feel like I'm alone and nobody even knows. And there's those songs too. Okay, so the Psalms really capture the human emotion, the rise and fall. The law and the history talk a great deal in the um, um, Exodus of, God, can you, can you remember us? As if God is not fully aware of what's going on in their life, but they feel the need to say, please reach out to us and help us. When that criminal says, remember me, he ties back to all the people throughout the Old Testament who have said, God, remember us. It's important. We desperately need your help. I need you to help me, and I need you to deliver me. The recognition on the part of human beings that they need God in order to navigate this world is not something that should be taken for granted. Most of the time, we're kind of going along until we get in just a desperate spot where we have a D minus and we need to bring our GPA up and we say, God, please help us with whatever this is. Please help us. You might even reference my prayer concern, right? As a leader, I need to recognize that about myself that I'm reaching out in desperation, not in preparation. Help me prepare the way for you being here. 43. Jesus answered him, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. It's an awfully complicated sentence. 
I can tell you that I've talked to people that I trust completely about the life immediately following death and beyond. And these are um, well-studied people. Some believe that um, we lie asleep until Jesus' second coming and then we're all raised together as one accord, one choir coming up. And some believe we go immediately. Uh, I'm still here, so I won't tell you for certain which one we do. I'm still standing here. I've got to base it on experience. Reverend Hamilton in the book, when you look at the book, he suggests, um, based on a couple of different instances, primarily, you know, when Jesus goes up on the mountain and he sees Moses and Elijah, he takes the disciples up there and um, Peter says, that's pretty cool up here. Why don't we set up some tents? Let's just hang out up here. Let's just stay up here with all the cool people. Seeing them in that moment, Adam suggests that the afterlife is immediate. And seeing this scripture where he says, today, He says, some people say that he's saying, today I'm telling you that one day you will be with me in paradise. I'm not sure that sentence looks that way. But he's talking about um, uh, um, immediate. Now, as to whether those people are then engaged with us going forward on earth, I'm not certain. I know that if we have a broken thing, and they have a complete thing. I would think they'd be focused a great deal on the complete, the joy of being the completeness. He talks briefly about that, about whether it's now or whether it's later. What he really wants to notice is he says, you're going to be with me. And who's that? Who's the person he's talking to? Criminal. He says, you're, you are going to be with me you vicious criminal. He's saying, in his last moments, he's reaching out to people who would be denied any sort of love on the part of God by any religious leaders or any followers of God. He says, that's what's critical. He's reaching out one more time. Drawing him in. So, he asks each reader to reflect upon themselves and the church as well. Do people who figure they don't have much to do with God feel comfortable in your church? Do they feel comfortable in your presence? Now that's tricky. Because I'll tell you, um, uh, my 20-year high school reunion is coming up this summer. And my 15-year college reunion was this past summer. And when I'm around those people, it predates ministry. And there's a thing about when you're around the people that you spent so much time with, it takes about 40 seconds to be the person that you were in that environment. Okay? So I've always, I'm always weighing how do people feel about me being a minister? Do I need to make sure that they understand that I want to encourage them to be part of it? Or do I want to set a standard that's higher than what they're doing with my actions and my words? You see that? You see the struggle I'm talking about? I was at Great Clips the other day, and a woman was cutting my hair, and she said, uh, we talked about ch- children, and I'm always awkward in those brief social, my goodness, I'm awkward. And I said, uh, and I said do you have kids? And she said, yeah, um, uh, two from a previous marriage and, and one together. And I, uh, I said, uh, so when you talk about discipline, do, you, do they talk about discipline for the older two, or do you all talk about discipline? Or, and, and she said, oh, we all live together. We're, we're, um, there's two wives. <laughs> My overwhelming concern is she knows I'm a minister to not, I, I'm always thinking, Judgment. People are always looking for judgment from a minister. And so I went, cool, okay. No idea South Carolina was into that. I didn't. It's tricky. It's tricky to set a standard for behavior and action 
yet have people who are not accustomed to that behavior feel welcome in your presence. And, it, and if I were forced to make you put more weight towards one or the other, I could have an hour-long conversation with you about it. Should people who are not comfortable with church feel your comfort more or your standard more? Jesus, in my opinion, I believe, gave them comfort far before he ever gave them standards. But he also didn't just give them comfort and say, anyway, just keep doing what you're doing, we're good. He gave them comfort and then he gave them standards. So if you're reflecting this week, I want you to think, how am I like the criminal who placed myself on that cross in the first place and yell at Jesus, if you had any power, you'd fix this? How am I like the criminal who says, no, um, I'm pretty sure I'm the one that had something to do with this. And Lord, I, I need your help. I need you to be present with me. I need you to remember me as you have remembered human beings throughout history. You can go home and um, look up on YouTube, um, Jesus, Remember Me. When you come into your kingdom, it's a song that just repeats over and over again. And um, for me, it usually takes three or four or five to stop thinking about what I'm thinking about and to let that sink in. It's just a process of just hearing it again and again to let it sink in. Remember me, Lord, because I need you. Let us pray. Lord, at times we feel great joy, great loss, great apathy. And in most instances, we are on our own thinking about what we're thinking about or with a tiny group of people. Lord, remember us in those moments that we may celebrate your presence at all times, that we may call upon you for help and deliverance, that we may remember all of the instances in the Old and New Testament in which you reached out. Help us to respond, Lord, in this season of Lent purpose, with meaning, with love towards Easter Sunday. Amen. If you'll stand and join me in the affirmation. We are not alone. We live in God's world. We believe in God who has created and is creating, who has come in Jesus, the Word made flesh, to reconcile and make new, who works in us and others by the Spirit. We trust in God. We are called to be the church, to celebrate God's presence, to love and serve others, to seek justice and resist evil, to proclaim Jesus crucified and risen, our judge and our hope in life, in death, in life beyond death. God is with us. We are not alone. Thanks be to God. Amen. Please be seated. We had a finance committee meeting this morning, and we're pleased to see that we're tracking along for the year. We are one week behind. Anybody know why? We missed a week. We missed a week. So if you typically um, would have given that week and, and uh, can help us catch up, um, please do so. If you want to register for um, Katie Jeter's lunch, today is the day to do it. Make sure you let... Marsha, um, Mays, know about that, um, and also Christy Morris, and they'll make sure you're ready. Death would
ash was redeemed, only beauty remains. My orphan heart was given a name. A morning grew quiet, my fear rose to dance. When death was arrested, my
was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our sins. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, by his wounds, we are healed. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our sins. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his his wounds we are healed we are healed by your sacrifice and the life that you gave we are healed for you paid the price by your grace Crushed for our sins, the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, by his wounds, we are healed. We are healed by your sacrifice and the life. By your grace, we are saved, we are saved. He was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our sins. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, by his wounds, by his journey seriously. Let's look inwardly. We do a great job of paying attention to other people and noticing what they're doing, what they're saying. Let's pay attention to what we're doing and what we're saying. Let's let people feel comfortable in our presence, yet call them to a higher standard by our actions, by our words. Go in peace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit go with you and remember you. Amen. Amazing love, how can it be that you, my King, will die for me? Amazing love, Great week.